Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen Podcast Network. This is Isle of Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, joined as always by Anthony Irwin. Anthony, what were your initial thoughts on the David Fisdale revenge game in Memphis? I wish he was Frank Vogel. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Grass ain't always greener, people. Um, (laughs) But yeah, let's set the stage real quick. The Lakers lost to Memphis by five after holding a double-digit lead with just a couple minutes left in the third quarter. It was was painful, um, not altogether surprising, and yet here the Lakers stand at 17 and 19 uh, with their – you know, interim head coach at the moment, David Fisdale. So yeah, Anthony, take us away. All right. I want to start by saying that having to coach the Lakers without Anthony Davis is not something that, you know, you know how like, so right now the, uh, the Jacksonville ja- uh, Jaguars, like their job is, is, is open right now because they fired. You think they'd hire David Fisdale? <laughs> he might be just as good at uh <laughs> football, but, but so, uh, like so, uh, the Byron Leftwich is the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and there's a lot of conversation right now about like, hey, you know, it is still technically an NFL head coaching job, but also it's a Jacksonville Jag- uh, Jaguars, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I, I, I like coaching the Lakers without Anthony Davis is still technically an NBA job, and it is still actually coaching the Lakers, but the Lakers are so broken at the center position without him. Like LeBron is working statistically. It is just like legit good, but it also looks incredible because there are just bodies behind him. Like it is just corpses. Mm-hmm. What like a, a line of waterlogged corpses is the other options. Mello has been terrible at center this year. Um, Dwight, you know, it was a bad night for a bad Dwight game. DeAndre I actually Jordan. thought Dwight was pretty good today, but we can get back well, to he, that. He had like, he, he like I think net positive. I, I would mm-hmm. say I would agree with you, but just those, just like that string of fouls that he'll have. We're, I'm just like, you can't put this. Like I see a lot of people on Twitter right now are saying like, man, look at that free throw disparity. And and I would say to them, did you see all the stupid fouls the Lakers were picking up? <laughs> like it was just a whole bunch of off ball fouls. Like that's what happens when you pick up stoop when when Dwight has three off ball fouls in a row. Uh, I know at one point. You know, it's just, it's just anyway, but, but it like all that said as disclaimers in regards to uh, David Fisdale and the tough job that he has ahead of him, I don't think he has made the situation any better. Like, I I just think he goes into a game with like a general set of rules that he is uh, going to implement as part of his strategy. And then the game starts and he's just like, starts flinging crap at the wall. I just Mm got to try to. It, there is no kind of rhyme or reason when it comes to uh, the subbing patterns. There is no rhyme or reason. I don't think to the, to the combinations that he has out there on the court. Um, I'm waiting for NBA.com to refresh their, uh, their numbers here on, on uh, lineup combinations, but I, you know, THT and Russell Westbrook hasn't been good all year. And that was a key combination uh, before the last like four minutes of, of, of the game. And, you know, this is something that if you're, if you've been watching, which, you know, we have, and if you're listening to the show, chances are you're a hardcore Lakers fan. So you've watched all of these games. Everybody knows that that's not a combination that has been working this year. It's like just barely behind Rondo Westbrook for like combinations that when you see him <laughs> on the court, you're like, God, we got to do this again. 
Um, and and like earlier when Frank was doing that, I, you had the excuse of like, well, there aren't very many other options here. Like they're just, but now there are. Now now yeah. Stanley Johnson is there. Now Avery Bradley is there. Now Malik Monk is there. Mm-hmm. And then soon they'll get Austin Reeves back. And and so yeah, I just while I understand it's an um, impossible spot that David Fisdale has been put in, I just don't think he has made it any better. And look, Jake Fisher said on my show yesterday uh, that, yeah, I think him, Frank Vogel getting sick kind of sort of saved his job to a certain extent because the Lakers as an organization and especially the fan base has watched David Fisdale here and said, Ooh, So let's talk about those uh, those principles that David Fisdale came into this game with. Um, I thought it was very smart to start Dwight Howard against a team that has Jaron Jackson Jr. and Stephen Adams in their starting lineup. There is just way too much bulk in the form of Stephen Adams to not have a real true center. And yes, yeah. Dwight Howard goes through his parades of fouls, you know, getting four fouls in 16 minutes. I, I think he's like the the highest rate like of fouls committed or he was in the league last year. Like there's a reason why he's not a suitable starting center on a day-to-day basis. And that's because he can't stay on the court long enough. And like Mm -hmm. you said, you don't want to be in the bonus three minutes into every quarter, especially against a team that shoots the ball from the foul line as well as the Grizzlies do. So what was weird to me was that he got the idea, right. Of like, Hey, Adams is playing. We're going to need some real like bulk in the middle. And then at the end of the game, when Memphis is, getting their offensive rebounds and generally just out physicaling the Lakers, you know, for the last 15 mm-hmm. minutes of the game, it was like, Oh wait, don't you think a center might've been helpful? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I thought that was such a strange choice because if you're going to go into a game with the idea of like, Hey, this is a matchup where a center might be helpful. Then how do you just completely abandon that premise? You know, with yeah. the crucial part of the game happening um, especially on a night where Mello just doesn't have it, right? Like Mello against Houston, awesome. Mello against Memphis, like I thought all of the shots he took were generally good process, but some nights you just don't have it. And that's the whole yeah. point of a guy who was on a minimum contract is that some nights he's just not going to have it. That's why he's available on a minimum contract. And you need to recognize those situations and be like, hey, uh, I don't know, maybe throw in the other big that we have available. Or, I mean, I'm going to say until my face half. turns blue is like Jamario Jones, you know, he's he's there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like he is just super active and rebounds the ball. Like nobody's goddamn business. Like that is right. literally Jamario Jones's primary skill. I mean, I'm obviously very partial to a guy who uses the term bubble guts instead of butterflies in his stomach, but <laughs> uh, love Jamario yeah. would have liked to see him, you know, take the court once during these 10 days that he's available for the Lakers, but yeah, that that's, appears to be a pipe dream. That's the part that I really don't get is you only have this short little audition with the guy mm-hmm. and we didn't learn anything. Like, Nothing. We, like we, like we just, <laughs> he played some like garbage time minutes and yeah, that was, that was it. Like that's, that's all we're going to see the guy. And, and again, like, frustrating. It's just, well, it's also, it also just continues to go back to the Lakers organizational, just misunderstanding of the value of wings. Like they just don't get it. They just, they just refuse to understand how it's funny. Stanley Johnson mm-hmm. is has not been a good NBA player. No. Right? Like there's a reason this guy was available was in was on the uh, on the South Bay Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um you know for a longer time yeah. than yeah, for a longer time than he has been an actual Laker. He, he was he was with the South Bay Lakers. And and yet he steps onto the court and everybody who was watching the Lakers was like, "Oh wow. 
But look at this guy. And it's not it's not because like this guy has just all of a sudden played out of his mind. He's not shooting particularly well. Like he's not, you know, he had that move against um Alperin Shengun, but like everybody has a move against Alperin Shengun. Right. He had like, a just, play in the third or fourth quarter where like he just wasn't in the right place for LeBron James Bass. And it's really hard not to be in the right yeah. place for LeBron James Bass. <laughs> yeah. So like it's not, it's not that like he has come out here and lit the freaking world on fire. It's that he is literally six seven athletic with feet they can move laterally <laughs> and the Lakers just like don't have that on their roster they haven't had that on their roster at all this season and and yeah like I, I've reached the point I know Brian Windhorst was saying why not it was that pseudo reporting that they do where it's like right. you know one thing the Lakers could do is wave DeAndre Jordan and keep Stanley Johnson beyond his hardship contract um and and so it's like I I just get so frustrated watching combo guard after combo guard after combo guard. The, the, the fact that the Lakers thought that Taylor Horton Tucker this season could be a, and this is like reported. This is something that the Lakers have said proudly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We think Taylor Horton can be a wing defender. He's six, four. <laughs> like, he, yes, he has seven, has. one wingspan. That is not the worst idea the Lakers had. This you don't offseason. defend doing handstands though. Like <laughs> just put your arms out. Things happen. Uh, <laughs> and like, I, I, I it's just, it, it's so it, and like the other thing that really twists the knife even further is that the Lakers won a championship by valuing and understanding the value of wings, right? It was KCP. It was Kuz. It was Caruso who basically defends at the point guard like like a wing might. You, you know? know what's funny about that is how many conversations we had during 2019-20 about, oh my God, why can't this team get a wing defender? Like we didn't yeah, even appreciate even those guys as wings. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. The Lakers saw like a knee that they had and just sprinted in the opposite direction. And like, as they I think, possibly could. I think Malik Monk has been like really good by, mm-hmm. by minimum, by actually just like general player standards. I've really enjoyed Monk so far this year we haven't seen Kendrick Nunn we'll see what he looks like when, whenever he gets there but how can you have Russell Westbrook and Taylor Horton Tucker as your biggest and fourth biggest contracts on the roster and say to yourself all right yeah what we need is more six three six four six two six three guards like that's that's the positional need that we really desperately needed to fill with the only non-veteran minimum contract that the Lakers had to offer. Like it's just and and it just keeps biting them square in the butt because like, yes, Dwight not being out there really hurts them. And it really did hurt them over the course of the game. He's a plus 17. Mellow's a minus 15 on the night. I think that's pretty much the math that we can all kind of. All right. That's how the game went, you know? Yeah. And and yet, like. While I think I think those other Lakers teams were so much better with AD at the five when they did that to Miami, Miami didn't know what hit them. Now Miami was hurt and all that stuff. So any mm-hmm. Miami fans listening to this, like I'm not going to completely disregard that. But the Lakers got up to a 40 point lead on Miami because not only did you have AD and LeBron as your four and five as like the absolute tip top type of front court that you could possibly have out there. But they were also surrounded by wings and switchable guards who understood, like, all right, yeah, if I'm guarding Desmond Main, Bain, I, I, Desmond Main, 
Steve Jones Jr. Shout out. (laughs) (laughs) But like, if you're guarding, if you're guarding Desmond Bain, you probably shouldn't wander off. If you're guarding Jaron Jackson Jr., you probably shouldn't wander off. So it's a combination of not only are they physically less, uh, lesser equipped to defend in today's NBA, but mentally they're, they just, they have these breaks that lead to 33 to 12 type runs that Memphis went on last night. There were just so many individual mistakes that you could point back to and be like, that's going to bite the Lakers in the butt. That's going to bite the Lakers in the butt. Like I'm thinking about, Oh, Russ going four seconds too early at the end of the third quarter, allowing John Morant to have enough time to get a three pointer. Yeah. Or I mean, I don't don't want to just missing a layup or skacking light, which we really should just factor into every Lakers crunch time from here on going out because it's going to happen. I think Memphis factored it in. Did you see the way that they were like, go ahead, Russ, look at the (laughs) basket. It's the basket. You're open. Cause usually there's like some sense of surprise, like, Oh, the ball is available for me to rebound here. But they're just like, yeah, this is, this is the appropriate (laughs) outcome for this possession. Right. Let's keep going. Yeah. Like they were, they, they like wandered away from the rim and then, wandered back towards the rim knowing oh that there was going to be a rebound to be had there. Yeah. I, I just think, um, you know, there's a lot to really kind of touch on in this game and, and there are going like, I, I know right now there's like a, a, a conversation going on about, you know, did monk look off Russ? I thought job played that pass incredibly well. I, right. I thought, I, I, I think the bigger problem with that play was actually LeBron's bounce pass was super slow especially mm-hmm. by LeBron standards. Um, he had no choice but to go behind the back, I don't think, uh, in, in that spot, but but not Wouldn't putting exactly enough set zip up on it. To, yeah, like he yeah, catches it. It's kind of, yeah, he catches yeah. the ball at his ankles. So by the time he looks up, Jaw is, you know, who's just like infinite turbo, is already on him. <laughs> and and then I thought Jaw actually played it really smart where he closes out to Monk's middle hand, his right hand, to dribble mm-hmm. middle there. And then as he approaches him, knowing that Monk is going to be looking to make that pass to the corner, explodes hard to the sideline there and cuts off the passing lead. Like, and, and then after that, I thought Monk kind of freaked out on the play, but that's right. what happens when you, when you catch the ball at your ankles with 10 seconds left and somebody who is infinite turbo is closing out on you like right with reckless abandon. So yeah, I, it, you know, it, it's, it's a team that clearly hasn't played enough together. And this is something that Fizdale keeps talking about, but like when, when would the continuity set set in? Like, this is the this is the situation that you're in right now. You got to start coaching the situation. And when you're relying on bad combinations, like I just looked at the stats right now, and still not positive that this is refreshed since tonight's game. But Russell Westbrook, Taylor Horton Tucker as a two man combination so far this year. Twenty games played, uh, three hundred and ninety five minutes together on the court so far. That's a decent enough sample size. A hundred point four offensive re, uh, offensive rating. And then 108.8 defensive rating. Mm. That's a net negative 8.4. That book is written, man. Like we don't need, yeah. to keep, we don't need more chapters of that one. It's Twilight all all times over. Like I don't I don't we don't need another Twilight book. I I don't know why we got into Twilight here. I'm just no, I, processing this really quickly. <laughs> Sorry. You know, at least there's like a at least yeah. there's like a comedy factor when Russ plays with Rondo. I don't get any of that when Russ plays with THC. Like it's just immediately offensive and objectionable, and I don't want to see any more of it on my television. Um, but yeah, it's okay. So the main thing that I had for like the first 40 minutes of this game tonight was it has been so much fun to watch LeBron James over the past two weeks. Like my incredible. goodness, LeBron has been 
absolutely wonderful. And I feel badly that we've gone 15 minutes or whatever in this podcast without even really mentioning the fact that, oh, hey, LeBron has scored 30 points in his last six games. He's 36 years old. He's turning 37 tomorrow, probably by the time that you listen to this, LeBron James will be turning 37. He's in year 19. I know everyone talks about how he's like lost half a step and how he can't affect winning the way he used to. And yeah, the Lakers have gone, what, one and six over the last seven games. None of that really to me is LeBron James's fault. Uh, at least no. basketball player on the court. LeBron James is doing everything within his power. You need him to bring the ball up. He can do that. You need him to run the offense. He can do that. You need him to you play center. center. He can do yeah. that. Not just like play, but jump like it's start at center. Yeah. He's yeah. doing literally everything. His jump shot was on fire today. He was like rambling to the Ram the last few games, just everything you could possibly want out of LeBron James. He is doing. And yet it is so hard to appreciate what is happening because he also is responsible for the decision to bring Russell Westbrook to Los Angeles. And I hate watching him play. <laughs> like I'm so mad about this because I was mildly excited about, you know, Russell Westbrook, longtime Angelino, you know, big time Laker fan growing up, good dude off the court, like coming to play for the Lakers, like all of those things sound fun. And yet it's, it's just bad. It's just all bad. Like the fit together yeah. doesn't make any sense. And like, I find myself on these possessions, like, yeah, did Malik Bong look off Russ in the corner, but like, is Russ in the corner really our best option here? Like, that's what the play is designed to do is get Russell Westbrook a corner three. And yeah, I get like, okay, he's been a decent corner three point shooter, like yeah. throughout the last two years, but Russell Westbrook taking a jump shot. Like that's what the Lakers have on the line here in the last 10 seconds of the game. Like none of it. Right. Makes yeah, sense what are you me. doing? What are you doing sending Monk one pass away from LeBron there? Like yeah. why why is Monk setting the screen? Why 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 wouldn't Russ set Russ the set the screen, right? Yeah. Get, At get least him then you get the, the guy into space, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So I, I'm pretty sure this is refreshed um in this in this one because Dwight didn't play in the last game, right? So uh and 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 there are numbers registering from this one. In 13 minutes that Russ and Taylor Horton Tucker were on the court today, together tonight, their uh, offensive rating 73.1, their yeah, defensive rating uh, 104, which isn't terrible, but like the game was pretty mucked up because of the 73.1. Yeah. <laughs> that's a net negative 30.9, and that's 13 minutes. You look at the number, like the, the combinations, like the two-man combinations of guys who played the most tonight – that's the 10th most <laughs> pervasive combination that the Lakers had out there. Like that was something that the Lakers decided, yeah, this is something we're going to, we're going to really lean heavily on, on that combination. And I'm sorry, man. Like again, and, and like, I was really refreshing the other night when, when Fizz was like, Oh yeah. LeBron's numbers at the center, the plus minus numbers are just off the chain. And mm -hmm. I was like, wait, we care about those now. <laughs> we like we're, are we're we gonna spend a full season talking about Avery Bradley's every Bradley's plus minus not affecting. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, what do we do with our hands? Like, <laughs> what well, this this matters now. And then and then to go from that to then lean heavily on a on a combination that just doesn't statistically make very much sense there. And basketball ways, it doesn't make sense. Taylor Horton Tucker. So I think the biggest problem with this Lakers uh, off season is that they signed a whole bunch of players with the thinking that like they would become the players that they need to become in order to make this work, right? So like with Russell Westbrook, they were like, oh yeah, well, maybe he'll focus a little bit more on on, on the little th things. And then when 
LeBron has to take a seat. Layups are one of the little things. (laughs) Right. But like, if, if like it, maybe he'll focus on some of those little things. And then when LeBron needs a break, then LeBron can get a break because Russell Westbrook is good enough to carry um, the team. Yeah. Yeah, Just be let, let Russ be Russ, even though he apparently now hates that saying. Um, like, you know how terrible the season has to be going for Russ to say, like, don't let Russ be Russ. Y'all don't oh, yeah. know what Russ be Russ <laughs> means. And then so like the other one, the other, the other, like the other example here is Taylor Horton Tucker, where to this point in his career, he's an ice, he's a player who prefers to o- operate in isolation. Uh, and he is very good at, at getting to the rim and either finishing there. And then this season, he's actually been very good at uh, making free throws as well. Those are the things that he is really good at. But the Lakers were like, yeah, but just imagine if Taylor Horton Tucker could start knocking down catch and shoot three pointers and defend like Alex Caruso did. Like if you wanted to sign Alex Caruso, that was an option. Like y'all could have done that. That was something you could have done. <laughs> and, and, and yet they're waiting for Taylor Horton Tucker to become the player that they just let walk. Like they just said, no, we're good. And, and maybe he becomes that. Maybe that's something that happens like four or five years down the line when LeBron has already retired. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> when the Lakers need an ISO player, then T- Taylor Horton Tucker will be the catch and shoot. <laughs> Low usage. Yeah, and, and to be fair, you know, the idea that the Lakers needed to sign Taylor Horton Tucker this offseason is not the problem, right? Like you obviously yeah. need to retain some oh, measure yeah. of young talent yeah, I don't have a in problem order. With them yeah, no, I'm just saying, it's just yeah. the the role that they envisioned of him makes absolutely no sense given everything we know about Taylor Horton Tucker thus far. I would, I would love to see the meetings between Frank and Rob, where Rob is like, "All right, so this is the role that we're envisioning." We got our for- three and D guy. Taylor's here. <laughs> <laughs> like this is the role that we're envisioning for Taylor Horton Tucker this season. He's going to be incredible on defense. He's not going to. Don't put the ball in his hands at all. <laughs> Like, I, I just want to see, like, I, I mean, just frankly, all of Frank Vogel throughout the entirety of the offseason, I would have just loved, oh, we're, we're, we're not, we're not bringing back Car- Caruso. Okay. All right. Well, oh, we're, we're trading, not trading for Buddy. We're trading for Russ. All right. Um, so we're sure definitely it was hard using... enough for him to get on board with the buddy trade, frankly, given how buddy he'll plays defense. Yeah, but... that's true too. And yeah. then uh, he probably didn't want either of them. Honestly, I think most like this is, the, I think this is the train of thought that I think is the most fair. That is the most consistent is that, mm-hmm. all right. If you thought that the bubble Lakers that won a championship was the way to move forward, then you didn't like the off season after that one. Right. Because mm-hmm. They moved very far. Like in, <laughs> yeah, right. And then, and then, so from there, you say, "All right, so you didn't like that off season, and and yet, I I know I had a lot of people saying like, well, if AD doesn't get hurt, they were up on fee or they were they were beating the up crap out of Phoenix. Up to one on Phoenix, beating the crap out of them right. before. I I agree with that. Yeah. So if you're saying if you're saying like, all right, like that's a team despite not maybe particularly liking that offseason, you can still say, well, but they were still in a position to succeed if AD doesn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I would, I would agree with that, right? And then to see that, and then what you can't do after that is then like the rust trade. Because if, you, if you're saying to yourself that that was a team that was capable of winning a championship last year, that uh, if they win a cha- if they if AD doesn't get hurt, that they go out and they win a championship against Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can't really like 
the Russell Westbrook trade. And you can't really like any of the other things that followed the Russell Westbrook trade because none of those guys would have played on the bubble Lakers. None of these guys, like not a single one of Malik these guys. Monk is getting freaking buried by Frank Vogel yeah, on the right. bubble Lakers. Malik Monk would have been like, like remember J.R. Smith. Like Quinn Cook. Yeah, <laughs> he'd, he'd, he'd like come in. He'd be like, man, it'd be nice if this guy could get some more minutes. And you're like, well, who are you, t- who are you taking minutes from? Not Caruso, not KCP. Basically. You know, not, not Avery Bradley back then. Yeah. You know, like, not Rondo even. <laughs> yeah, not, so like, yeah, I, I just, and, and like the offseason happened and, and yeah, the Lakers need to move forward and all this stuff, but it's really hard to do any kind of analysis on where the Lakers are currently and, and where they even go here, given how, just disastrous this last offseason was what's funny is for all of the lakers exceptionalism that just runs rampant on the internet the people who have the lowest opinion of these last two laker teams are apparently the front office who just didn't <laughs> like either of the groups and we're like let's completely change it yeah. both times rob, rob so like you had you had the i forget which colangelo it was who was out there with the burners saying that his collar brian yeah <laughs> yeah Rob was out there with his burner saying that the bubble ring didn't matter. Yeah. Didn't count. All right. (laughs) Oh man. I do want to ask, like, I do want to, like, this is something that I was really legit thinking about over the course of the game is where does THT even fit? Like if, if none comes back, Mm -hmm. which hopefully here in the next couple of weeks, they were saying at the start of the new year, right? Um, if 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 none gets back, and then assuming Trevor Reza leaves protocols fairly soon, assuming Austin Reeves leaves protocols pretty soon, mm-hmm. then where does THT fit in a rotation that you know you're going to play Russell Westbrook a bunch? You know that none is going to have to get a decent opportunity. Uh, given the contract that he signed and also given the fact that like the Lakers don't have anybody who has really knocked anybody's socks off consistently enough to say like none shouldn't get a look over that guy. Right. Um, Monk has fit really well. Ellington has had stretches where he fits really well. Where does, where does THT even get his minutes here? Especially also if they keep Stanley Johnson, because if they're saying THT was a wing defender and then they go out and sign an actual wing defender, like I don't Anthony know what Stanley Johnson here. is our backup center. What part of that is unclear? <laughs> yeah. Although even there, like Jamario Jones is better suited for that role too. Oh so, man. Yeah. Poor little yeah. Jamario. I was, I was so excited when the Lakers signed him, even if it was a hardship deal, I understand yeah. like everyone and their mother is getting called up over the last two weeks. Yeah. Jamario Jones was part of this really fun. Except like, Amon Shumpert and Michael Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> Stop shitting on LeBron James. Then you'll get called up. Okay. <laughs> I'm never going to play for the Lakers. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I, I would love to see Jamario Jones play. And I think this was a game that he could have played in. Like yeah, Houston Memphis too. runs like games that are at this pace, I think speak to Jamario Jones' skill set. Admittedly, I have not really seen him play NBA basketball since the end of the 2018-19 regular season. But mm-hmm. like Darren Collison is playing. I hadn't seen him play NBA basketball since the end of the 2018-19 <laughs> regular season. So what are we yeah. talking about? But back to your original question about Talon. Um, I envisioned him being the other guard in the lineups with LeBron and without Russ um, so that there's another ball handler on the court with LeBron at all times um, because he just developed some familiarity playing with LeBron last year. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that is necessary to build on because ideally if Talon is going to be playing at all in the playoffs, it has to be with LeBron um, because LeBron should be playing all the time. So that's where I sort of saw 
Talon fitting in was the other guard in those non Russ LeBron lineups, but like mm-hmm. the way that the minutes are going for the three stars right now, like that's just, it's a very limited pocket of minutes. So yeah. it's not a lot for Talon to do. Uh, yeah. And like the fact, the idea was that the Lakers signed so much shooting elsewhere that like you could still put those two guys with three shooters on the court at all times. Um, of course, this theory existed when like Marcus Hall was still on the Lakers roster. So whoops. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that, that was sort of my pick. I mean, I didn't think he'd be this bad next to Russ, to be perfectly honest. Like I thought that was a reasonable idea to think, oh, hey, Talon can play next to Russ. And like you just um, let them sort of rotate on and off the ball like a Russ and James type, Russ and James Harden type situation. But uh, yeah, it is it's not gone well for Talon Horn Tucker. Um, oh. And he's 21. So again, I, I don't think this like sets his whole career on fire or anything, no, but I think he's just when, not on the whenever, same timeline as anybody else on the Lakers. And the fact that they have put him on the same timeline as everybody else by saying, Hey, we need you to be like the number four guy on a team. That's going to win the title. is just yeah. completely unfair to him a misevaluation of where he is and his maturation and his skill set, and just makes him look bad. And it's going to devalue his trade potential. too. Yeah. Well, like, that's the thing too, is that like, all right. So I don't think he necessarily fits all that well in the rotation, but, and, and, and like, you know, one of the things that we were talking about, or you were talking about in, in social funeral Slack tonight is like, Hey, why is THT in there over Avery Bradley? Like, why is words? I've never thought I would ever say. (laughs) (laughs) And like, but they kind of have like, you know, I, I thought they stuck with him too long in the starting lineup. I think they they're sticking with him a little too long here, but they have to stick with him that kind of long because as soon as they desert him, there goes their only trade piece. That's it. That is it. And then he just becomes salary alongside. And then you like it used to be maybe heading into the season, you could include him and none without a pick and get like a decent enough player. Mm-hmm. But now, given where things are at right now, they now probably have to include that pick something that. Unless like maybe Rob Polinka doesn't care about this because at this rate, he shouldn't be employed after like this <laughs> last offseason. But like like trading away a first round pick that could purvey as soon as as uh, LeBron is retired. And then once maybe Anthony Davis is in Chicago, like that, oh God. <laughs> that's that's, that's kind of terrifying that like, you know, now you now have you probably have to include a first round pick in order to turn tailing into a pretty decent player and and the hope was that tailing would become that decent player himself but just in terms of fit at least and especially so long as they continue to use tailing the way that they are where you know you're playing him alongside russ you're uh you're running actions where he's a spot-up shooter well you, you you're playing him alongside russ you're playing him alongside deandre you're playing him like in lineups with with dwight like this is this is again, just a a complete misunderstanding of the player that he actually is. And I think it hurts Talon. Like, I I agree with you that I don't think this is going to completely derail his career. I think wherever he winds up after this, and even if he sticks it out with the Lakers and the Lakers figure out a better way to use him moving forward, Mm -hmm. that he'll be perfectly fine. Um, But I do think in the immediate future, they are seriously hampering his growth. Like, they are seriously saying, he is so far in his own head out there that you know, somebody who was historically good for his age around the rim Mm -hmm. is a coin flip there now, you know, and, and uh, I, 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 you know, while I wasn't the highest on Talon heading into the season, 
um, especially compared to some of the other people, you know, who cover the team and, mm-hmm. and on social screen role. Like I, I, I wasn't necessarily the highest on him, but I think they're doing him a legitimate disservice with the way that they're using him so far. Yeah, totally. Um, and it just goes back to our original, you know, premise here about like how David Fisdale isn't making his life any easier uh, because he stuck with that lineup with Taylor and Russ for far too long in the fourth quarter. Like the Lakers had fallen behind by seven by that point. Once mm-hmm. Avery Bradley got back into the he game. Was over. Yeah. And you know, he plays these bench heavy units of Collison, Stanley Johnson and Mello all together while throwing in additional non-shooters, which you really shouldn't be playing with Stanley Johnson. And I mean, Darren Collison basically at this point, non-shooter because he hasn't made a three-pointer what since like 2019. Mm-hmm. I has he made a three-pointer since he rejoined the Lakers? I don't actually know, but no, I, I don't think so. Suffice to say, he's not being treated like a shooter when he's out there. So just like there's, I understand that Pizdale doesn't have a ton to play with here, right? Like the Lakers are severely undermanned and they're missing like Ellington. I don't think was actually available today. I think he was more of like a break glass in case of emergency available today, but uh, you know, you're missing Ellington, you're missing Reeves, you're missing AD. Like there's three pieces who should be playing on any given day but there's still so many better things you can do than making Carmelo Anthony and Stanley Johnson serve as the four and five on defense against line of featuring drama Morant. Like that's, I don't know a ton about basketball. Like that's a bad idea. That's a really bad idea. <laughs> so it says here that Stanley Johnson has made two, three pointers this year or since he came to the Lakers. I Darren Collison or, Oh, Oh, I thought you were asking about Stanley. Stanley okay. has made two. Okay. Darren Collison has not made any. Gotcha. Yeah. So Darren Collison, not a shooter. Stanley Johnson, even if he's made the two, three pointers, like objectively, not, I think they're lying. I think (laughs) (laughs) he had a wide open shot. And I was just like, gosh, damn it. Come on. I understand that. Like he is spacing the floor as one of his position should like he is, you know, getting into the right spots, like with the Mm -hmm. theory that he could make those shots. And like, maybe at some point he'll become a league average shooter. Like, I don't know, but it's, it's never a good feeling when Stanley Johnson makes a three-pointer. Like I'm not enjoying that experience. Yeah. It's very much the defensive side of things, but yeah, it's just like, why are you playing those three guys together for yeah. however many minutes when I don't know, like Dwight Howard is still there or like, you know, um, yeah, well, I, it's, it's Malik it's Monk also, is available and like, it's well, I, all right. So I understood starting Dwight in this one because of Steven yes. Adams. I, I got, I got that right. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that was the right call, but I think you kind of had to have a quick hook with Dwight so that he could be available whenever LeBron goes and sits. Exactly. Right? So you need you, some you, defensive anchor. Yeah. So, and, and I thought, you know, I thought he stuck with Dwight a little too long in that first quarter and then made it. So they had to go to mellow and, mm-hmm. um, and Stanley as their front court for there for a while. And, you know, it, it's fine against a younger team like Houston, Houston. where like they're infants, you know, like yeah. <laughs> Memphis isn't Memphis isn't old. Obviously it is also but they're like the team. college graduates, you know, they're not the yeah, one. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like the, it's like the, the juniors who play on varsity, whereas like, yeah. you know, Houston is a whole bunch of freshmen on varsity, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 um, and I think, you know, you're watching, you're watching this Memphis team. They saw Mello there under the rim and they're just like, let's oh, do this. <laughs> like, one thing that Jen and I have really noticed a ton in, cause we just watched nonstop Disney and especially Pixar movies because of Avery mm-hmm. is it's wild how big all of their eyes are <laughs> like every single character there, their eyes are just like 
saucers, but like oh, that's what Memphis's eyes look like. It's just a bunch of Disney characters. There. Yeah, they had they, they, they had Elsa eyes. They're just like, oh my god, that's they're under there. That's 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 something that they're choosing to do. Um, and again, like that's where it just kind of goes back to what we're talking about with Fizz, where all right, you can you can start the game with a good idea, going with Dwight, but you also have to have a plan for like after that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Like it, it, I, I always watch um we watch all these cooking shows. And on uh, chopped, for whatever reason, the ice cream machine never works. Right? <laughs> it <laughs> it's never the consistency they want. Yeah, it never works. And you always see these poor chefs like scrambling. Ah, it's not it's not hardening fast enough. It's not going. So I got I got 10 minutes. I got, all right. I got to do something else, you know, and and like Fistel would just be sitting there watching the ice cream machine. Yeah. All right. If this doesn't work, you're drinking milk. <laughs> yeah, and it's great that the Lakers picked the starting lineup today. That was plus eleven in their minutes together, like la di da. But yeah. there are, I mean, that starting group played twelve minutes together, so that's thirty six left to figure out, right? Yeah. And those are all equally important. <laughs> it felt so long when LeBron sat down. The it's first time like that, oh it felt like it just felt you just like look four years that LeBron has been on the Lakers every single minute he sits. I'm just like, all right, let's let's, let's come on. <laughs> it's, it's that class, but it's like the last class before summer vacation is like yeah. it's all of the minutes that LeBron sits down. Yeah, uh, I, I don't even know where we've landed. Uh, I mean, I theoretically the Lakers played Memphis tonight, they didn't win. It would have been great for them to win because at some point, you know, playoff making the playoffs will matter and, you know, potentially getting a good seed in the playoffs will matter. And they're currently down two one to Memphis in the season series. And Memphis, Mm -hmm. I think is the the highest team that the Lakers could reasonably catch in the standings, like golden state, Phoenix, Utah, I'm going to say are out of question at this point. Mm -hmm. So it would be a nice game to have one in order to look back on for playoff positioning and only be three losses back. Like, Hey, that's not such an unreasonable Mm -hmm. feat to accomplish in the last 45 games of the season, but right didn't happen you know uh the lakers well, just <sighs> so like how are we balancing that though because on one hand i agree with you that it would have been nice to win this game but i didn't think they were going to win this game like if i would have just if going I into it i didn't think yeah. it but like halfway through the third quarter i totally did right right yeah. and i guess that's the tough part here is um and this is what a sub 500 team does is mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't have the highest expectations. At this point, my expectations for the Lakers are really, really low. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. Harrison and I disagreed. I don't think that there's a scenario where they win a championship this year. I just don't. Um, mm-hmm. And and I understand that some might, you know, LeBron is still there and he is clearly capable of doing LeBron stuff, you know? Yeah. So, like, that is a very good reason to still believe that they can win a championship. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, with heading into this one, if I would have just not watched, if I would have, if I would have just woken up tomorrow, looked mm-hmm. at the box score and said, Oh, Lakers only lost by five. They covered. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cash in. Um, I got, I, I, I would have, I probably would have said that's fine. That's, that's a, that's a, you know, that's basically how Decent I thought lost to a good team on the home court. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and that's the other thing is that like, we are now at a point where moral victories are a thing, which is another statement <laughs> about how low the bar is with this team. Um, and yet, like you're saying, you get midway through the third quarter and you're up almost 20 
I think at one point they led, I think the highest the league got was like 16, 16 or 18. We're being 14, but let me check. Yeah. Um, and so like the, you know, you're in that spot. Yeah, you're 14. Saying, okay. Yeah. This is a this is a game that the Lakers should win now. We now are setting expectations at this, but I just I I guess I guess my message to people is like, don't reset your expectations. Don't mm-hmm. like if you if you don't think the Lakers are gonna win this game heading in, hope that they're competitive until Anthony Davis comes back. And, and, you know, there's a, the Lakers kind of sort of need to win half their games without Anthony Davis, but they're one in six right now. That's not happening. They're not going to get to, they're not going to get to 500. And that's because Austin Reeves has also been in the protocol for the last seven games, Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. Juggernaut Austin Reeves. A a guy who can handle the ball and shoot. um, I mean, taking Taylor Horton Tucker's minutes. Seems like it would have helped a lot today. Do you think he takes Taylor Horton Tucker's minutes? I think Frank would have let him take THC's minutes. Yeah, I don't know if Fizz does, though. I don't, you know. Fizz is trying to impress his potential new bosses. Hey, you guys want to see? The Jacksonville Jaguars, yeah. (laughs) That's full circle. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, the Lakers lost another game. They are two games below 500. Uh, it's, It's just a frustrating time to be a Laker fan, you know, because... You have this generational talent in LeBron James who and Austin Reeves who's finishing out his career and just doing incredible things in the process. Um, like I, I had such a good time watching him today. And then yeah. the poor guy like just gets stuck on the last possession with like nobody around him wanting to shoot or make a play and then throws it away. And it's just a downer of an ending to what was otherwise a really excellent game. Um, even if he did take a fake charge on John Morant, like we all saw that LeBron, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Nobody wants to take a charge on John Morant. They gave <laughs> him the makeup kill. call. They they said that that wasn't a, a foul on the on the three pointers. So Even though Carl Anderson, like, know. yeah, it's fine, whatever. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's just he's he saddled himself with a team that doesn't make any sense. And like, you think there's such a clear blueprint for a LeBron James team, and for four years the Lakers have been like, no, nah, we don't think so. We think that there are so many other ways to go about this, <laughs> and we're going to try every single one possible, um, and maybe we'll have another generational superstar next to him performing at the peak of his powers who will wipe away all of our roster construction issues. And then maybe that won't happen for the other three years. So, yeah. Hey, trade away that 2027 pick. See what happens. See how would have done it for Kyle Lowry. We should have done it for Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fork in the road. (laughs) Fork fork in the road moment. I I regret that. Um, But here we are. Anyway, uh, Lakers, when do they get back on the floor? Do we know their next game on the schedule? They play new year's Eve. New Year's Portland, Eve, the Portland Lakers at host crypto. Portland. Great. Fun times against Damian Lillard against a team that is similarly reeling. Um, I think they're like, they're like three and 12 years. in their last 15 games. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be so disappointing. Seeing there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Reset those expectations, Anthony. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to our show. Make sure you're subscribed to the Silver Screen Roll podcast. So you can listen to talk about the Lakers all day, every day. And we'll be back next week.